No, no, no surprises at all. Yeah, I mean, we, we expected to be here in December playing meaningful football. And, uh, you know, we earned the right to be in this game, and, and uh, we're looking forward to it. Hey, everybody. Chris Harry with you in the Week 15 edition of Chargers Weekly. That was the head coach, Anthony Lynn, ahead of Saturday's showdown in Arrowhead against the Kansas City Chiefs. A bit later, I'll be joined by Blair Kirkhoff of the Kansas City Star to get this week's opposing view. Chargers managing editor Ricky Henney also stops by with the latest from the Hoke Performance Center. But first, NFL Network's Bucky Brooks explains why Keenan Allen is in the conversation as the NFL's best receiver. All right, here with Bucky Brooks on Chargers Weekly. And Bucky, you were saying this earlier in the season, man, that the Chargers were the best team in the AFC West. And Saturday night, they're going to have an opportunity to prove you right under those lights in Arrowhead. Yeah, they have been a team that has been outstanding in the last few weeks. They finally found their stride. I think Anthony Lynn has done a good job of helping them find their identity on both sides of the ball. Offensively, they've kind of let Phillip Rivers do his deal. They're throwing it all over the yard. He has found a connection with Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen's playing like the best wide receiver in football. And then defensively, Gus Bradley has the defense playing at a high level. Joey Bolson, Melvin Ingram rushing off the edges, the defense creating turnover. This is the Chargers team that everyone expected. It just took them a while to finally hit their stride. And Bucky, you mentioned Keenan Allen. Last four games, 39 catches, 547 yards, and four touchdowns. You can play him in the slot. You can play him on the outside. It doesn't matter. He gets open. And I know you wrote about him last week in your scouts notebook, and you said he deserves to be in the conversation as the best wide receiver in the game. What have you seen from Allen on film this past month that makes him so special, Bucky? Well, I mean, he has a couple of different things that um, makes him a special player. One, he has an outstanding size advantage over most people that he plays. He's 6'2", 215 or so pounds, does a great job of using his size to separate. But for his size, he's also an outstanding um, quick-twitch athlete at the line of scrimmage. His releases against press coverage are remarkable for a bigger guy. So he's always able to win those one-on-one battles at the line. And then he's an outstanding pass catcher. Great hands, expanded strike zone with his catch radius. He is so difficult because he can win versus press. He's an outstanding route runner. He can win the 50-50 balls. And Philip Rivers has so much confidence in him that he is going to get the targets. When you have all those combinations of factors, it's hard to slow down a guy on the perimeter like that, whether you double team or not. And Bucky, I, I know we talk about like a number one receiver. How many number one receivers in the league can do everything that Keenan does and get open against, like I said, against man, against zone, playing the inside, playing the outside? I feel like there's not a ton of number one receivers that can do everything that Keenan does. No, I mean, I think he's a unique player. I think when you're looking for those guys, and I call them those guys that are in the VIP circle, there's only a handful of guys that can do all of that stuff meaning they can get open versus man or zone. They can command a double team. And even though they're double teamed, they're still able to make plays. I mean, you're talking about the Antonio Browns, the Julio Joneses, uh, A.J. Greens. Only a handful of guys can play at that level. Keenan Allen deserves to be in that exclusive VIP club. Bucky, I go back to this first matchup between the Chiefs and Chargers in Week 3. And Phillip Rivers threw three interceptions in the first half of that game. Since then, the last 10 games, he has three interceptions total. He's locked in right now. And other than Brady, I don't know if there's another quarterback that you'd rather have under center than Phillip Rivers. I mean, he's playing at a high level. He's always been a guy that's been a borderline MVP candidate. He consistently puts it up. The one thing that you've always worried about with Phillip is sometimes he will turn the ball over. But when he is on his game, when he's trusting not only the offense but his playmakers, 
he can be efficient and effective. And what we've seen the last 10 games that you alluded to, he has been very efficient and effective because they're opening the field up, they're spreading the formation out, and they're letting him basically will and deal from the pocket. He's on his game, and he's ready to charge his offense. Very, very difficult to stop. The first four weeks of the season, I feel like Coach Lynn wanted to really establish the run, have, have a run-heavy offense. And I think there was a switch at some point where they found that balance. And I give Coach Lynn a lot of credit for, you know, using the personnel that he has and, and guys like not only Keenan Allen, but Hunter Henry and Tyrell Williams. Uh, I mean, I think the big thing for a head coach and for all head coaches when they're figuring out their team, it takes about eight weeks to figure out what your team is capable of doing to really understand the identity of the team. And even though we spent all all season thinking that the team is going to play a certain way based on the personnel that they have, sometimes it just doesn't work out. I think what he has been able to do is see that right now, this is a team that is better when it's driven by the play of the quarterback. When Phillip Rivers spreads out the formation, empty out the formation, and is really working at a fast tempo, this offense kind of operates at a high level. And so I think it has to be a situation where he continues to allow Phillip Rivers to do it. And even though they still need to be able to run the ball to have the balance running the ball, this is a team that is at their best when the gunslinger is slinging the ball. No doubt. And defensively, Bucky, Chargers held the Redskins to 201 total yards. They haven't allowed a 100-yard receiver all season. That's the only NFL team that can say that. Casey Hayward playing at a high level. But I look at some of these other guys, these undrafted guys like Trevor Williams from Penn State, filling in for Jason Verrett, Desmond King, fifth rounder, playing a ton of staffs, playing really good football right now. Tom Telesco has found some gems that are really contributing on this defense, especially in the back end. Yeah, I think Tom Telesco has certainly found gems. I think uh, Ron Miles has done a great job developing those guys. I think what you're seeing is a, a byproduct of some hard work on the practice field. Those guys understand Gus Bradley's scheme. And one of the beauties of Gus Bradley's scheme is very, very simple and it's player-friendly, meaning that young players can jump right into the scheme and have success. Milo has done a great job of helping these guys with their techniques and their fundamentals. And so we're seeing these guys basically take what they do on the practice field and put them into play in games. Because of that, they're having a lot of success. And Desmond King, I think the big thing for them, they have found the perfect spot for Desmond King. When Desmond King was coming out of Iowa, he was a guy that was a big-time playmaker. Jim Thorpe Award winner had a lot of interceptions. But you worried about the speed. They have found a way to move him into the slide to play kind of a hybrid position at safety, nickel, or whatever we can get. His eyes on the quarterback make plays on the ball, also come off the edge to blitz. That is a great job of the Chargers finding a way to fit a player into a system and put him in a situation where he always can play to his strengths. Yeah, he's been fantastic. He had 10 tackles on Sunday. He sacked Kirk Cousins and had a pick six a couple of weeks ago. Desmond King, really a, a big reason for, for them having so much success defensively. Uh, then you look at the Chiefs, Bucky. They've lost six of eight. They clearly miss Eric Berry defensively. And on offense, they got on track a little bit Sunday with Kareem Hunt. How do the Chargers currently match up with this Chiefs team? Uh, I mean, I think it's a division game, so it's always a, a, a challenging matchup. I think the big thing with the Chiefs and what they try and do is they try and take away the space for your receivers at the line of scrimmage. They'll press, they'll bail, they'll get off and play in space, but they want to make you earn every yard that you get in the passing game. Unfortunately for them, like a lot of that was predicated on Eric Berry being able to be the eraser in the middle of the field. When you remove him from the lineup, they're a little different in the back end. They've given up more plays than we're used to seeing. And depending upon which Marcus Peters shows up, the one that's engaged and ready to play, or the one that can kind of go off on his own, it really depends on how they play. But they did get, pick up Darrell Reeves, and Darrell Reeves had a really good game against the Oakland Raiders a week ago. 
you get Darrell Revis, Marcus Peters. It may be a better matchup for them. I think at the end of the day, it comes down to the Chargers defense imposing their will on the Chiefs. If they can prevent the deep ball and force Alex Smith to really dink and duck down the field, I think they're going to end up getting the Chiefs to play into their hands. That could lead them to a win. But can you look at the AFC playoff picture and the Pats, the Steelers, obviously the class of the AFC right now. And then I look at all these other teams. I look at the Chiefs and the Chargers and uh, the Jaguars, the Titans, the Ravens. What team or teams in the AFC do you think can compete with the Steelers and the Pats in January? Uh, I think there are a couple of teams. Obviously, I think the Chargers in that mix and the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Chargers, because to deal with those teams, you have to be able to get a pass rush with only four guys because you commit the rest of the guys to coverage. They certainly can do that with Bosa and Ingram dominating off the edges. The Jacksonville Jaguars are another team that can do it because their front line is as good as anybody. They lead the league in sacks. They get a ton of pressures from their upfront guys. And their two guys on the perimeter, Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Bouye, can lock people up. So when you look at teams that can play those two teams, you got to have the defense in place that can do it. And those are the two teams that I see that have the defense that is capable of being able to get it done. Bucky, get you out of here on this. It's it's bowl season. Before you know it, we'll be at the Combine, the NFL Draft. Who are a few players you're excited to see play here over the next few weeks? Well, obviously, when you're looking at the draft, it always starts at the quarterback position. Yeah. We'll see if Sam Donald can be everything that he has been the last part of the year against Ohio State. You want to see Josh Allen and Josh Rosen play in their last games, potentially. And so you want to see if they can be productive. When it comes to skill guys, Saquon Barkley, how good is he? What is he going to look like against a tough Washington defense? And then some of the pass catches, whether it's Cortland Sutton, uh, Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk. How do those guys perform in their what could be their final games? Bucky, move the sticks, man. I, I, I told DJ this a few weeks ago when he came on. I've, I've always been a loyal move the sticks listener. I think it's one of the best football podcasts out there. Where can they find it? I think the Sunday pod might, may be my favorite, the 10 takeaways. Yeah, so we got the 10 takeaway podcast on Sunday nights. Uh, two podcasts during the week, Tuesday and Thursday. That Thursday show is a video show. You can check all that out on NFL.com. You can also get it on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts. Bucky, I appreciate it, my man. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, no problem. Have a good one. Hey, fans, be there live to support the L.A. Chargers this season. Always buy your Chargers tickets from our official ticketing partner, Ticketmaster and the NFL Ticket Exchange. Only Ticketmaster has verified tickets that are 100% guaranteed to get you in every time. Other sellers can only guarantee they'll give you a refund if they sell you a fraudulent ticket. So go with a trusted source and our official partner and know you're going to the game. All right, to get this week's opposing view, we bring in Blair Kirkhoff of Kansas City Star. And Blair, we got a beauty on Saturday night, Chargers-Chiefs for first place in the AFC West. What are the coaches and players saying about the Chargers coming to town this weekend? Well, they, they, they're giving them all the respect that the Chargers are due, and they're due a ton of it for, for um, where they are um, and where they've been. So it's, um, it really is an amazing story. Playing such great football right now. There's, yeah, there's a lot of respect. We were talking to Alex Smith about it, you know, the, the Southern California guy. Yeah. And, um, and he's, uh, you know, he really does salute what's, uh, what's going on there. And, in LA this season. And another thing we've talked about is this is, um, you know, Andy Reid's been, this is his fifth year in Kansas city. And in terms of a, like a division showdown game, this may be the biggest one that he's had in, in KC. There've been playoff teams and, um, and, and good seasons, but we can't remember a game with the stakes 
uh, this high this late in the season uh, in, in the Andy Reid era. So uh, Arrowhead should be jumping on Saturday night. Blair, what's the biggest difference in this Chiefs team from the last time they played the Chargers back in week three? It seems like forever ago. It, it, it is. <laughs> and, and just to think, they were coming off of victories over the Patriots and the Eagles when they came out to, to L.A. <sighs> Unreal. You know, and yeah, and, and played gr- certainly great against the Patriots, and and, and good enough to be a, you know what's become a, a terrific Eagles team at Arrowhead. Um, a, a few things have happened. The, the, the Chiefs, of course, continued on their winning ways for a couple more weeks, and stood um, uh, you know you know five and zero, and then uh, and then six and two, and then and then it really started to hit them. Um, four game losing streak started the the week before the bye, and and um, with a loss to the uh, to the Cowboys and continued. And, and so, so they get to the bye week six and three and, uh, and there's, there's really not a sense of panic, a little bit of disappointment, but not a sense of panic with the chiefs. And they were pretty encouraged by the schedule coming out of the, uh, out of the break um, with the, the, uh, the giants, the bills and the jets teams that uh, of the three, only the bills look like a, you know, a semi formidable opponent. And lo and behold, um, Chiefs lose all three, play poor, extremely poorly against the Giants and, uh, and, and the Bills. Um, and a lot of things had happened. They, they were dealing with some offensive line injuries. Uh, Mitch Morris, the center, and uh, the right, and then the guard, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif. I think that affected the running game. The rookie, Kareem Hunt, had gotten off to such a great start. Then all of a sudden, the holes weren't there, and nothing was happening in, in the running game. And Alex Smith, who had gotten off to such a great start, cooled off and and uh, I don't want to say regressed to the mean, but just just cooled off a little bit. Was starting to throw as many picks as touchdowns and uh, uh, defensively get, not getting any pressure on the quarterback. Secondary was getting burned, so it's just a little bit of everything happened to the Chiefs in that uh, in that four game losing streak and. Um, and finally, it, uh, it, 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 they got it back a little bit against the Raiders last weekend. Yeah, they got back on track. They, they beat the Raiders 26-15. And it, actually, it was 26-0 at one point. And you mentioned the rookie, Kareem Hunt. He had 25 carries, the most he's had since week five. Uh, some balance in the passing game, three players over 70 yards receiving. What did you see from that game, Blair, uh, against the Raiders that you hadn't seen in, in those previous weeks that you mentioned, just those tough losses to both New York teams and Buffalo specifically? Yeah, just I'll tell you, the thing that was noticeable to me was uh, a better control up front on both sides of the ball. The offensive line had a nice game against the Raiders, and uh, and that can happen. You can do that against against Oakland, but uh, it just hadn't happened for the Chiefs lately. And that that allowed Kareem Hunt to have one of his more productive games of the season. They also got him involved in the uh, as as a receiver, which happened a lot early, but uh, but wasn't happening uh, during the the losing streak. They kind of reengaged him as a you know as a receiver. So so that that was on the offensive side but i think a bigger development was this was a game in which marcus peters you know the all pro corner was suspended yes that's right so the chiefs so the chiefs had to change a couple things and and they they a little bit more press coverage on um you know on amari cooper uh, on on cooper and crabtree and uh and but more importantly they got push up front and and and, and got Derek Carr uncomfortable and and got him on the run a little bit and then there were some drops by the Raiders and uh very first play of the game uh the right quarterback Steven Nelson deflected a pass 
And on, on the third play, Chris Jones got a sack. That was only the Chiefs' second sack in four games. So, um, so, so good things happened right off the bat. And, and, and the, the Chiefs just played with a much better energy on the, on the defensive side and, 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 and had pressure, just applied pressure to the Raiders all afternoon. And you're right, it was 26 to nothing going into the fourth quarter. Raiders picked up a couple of touchdowns, but, uh, but the Chiefs were just too good all afternoon. And you mentioned no Marcus Peters, and Jarrell Revis comes into the fold, his second game. I think he played 56 snaps, if I'm not mistaken, Blair. What did you see from Revis in his second game with the team? Better than his first game, yeah. uh, for sure. <laughs> and uh, and it, it wasn't a disaster the first game, but even even he admitted afterwards he was uh, he was winded. He only played in the first half. That was at the, at the Jets. Um, and of course, that's a kind of an unusual scenario for him going going to going to New York. He he had played against the Jets, his former team before, as a member of the Patriots. Um, but this was much ballyhooed just because of the you know the, it was his debut game of the season. Had just signed with the Chiefs, and and, it, and a week really did make a difference for him. Um, and, and and he was he was a much bigger part of uh, of the game last week than he was the previous week. So um, I. You know, I, I, who knows what to expect? Uh, you know, go, going against the, you know, the very talented Chargers receivers this week. Marcus Peters is back, and he'll be on the left side, and and uh, and Revis will get his snaps on the right side along with uh, Stephen Nelson, uh, unless Nelson's over in the um, in the slot. But um, I, I certainly don't think the Chiefs will be able to play press coverage against the, the, the Chargers, not the way they did last week. Yeah, I was going to ask you, how do you think the Chiefs are going to try to defend Keenan Allen? Because this is a guy, I just had Bucky Brooks on talking about how he, he can play on the inside, he can play on the outside, and he's playing about as well as any wide receiver in the NFL right now. And knowing Marcus Peters doesn't travel, how do you think they account for Keenan Allen on Saturday? Yeah, he he he's been terrific. I mean, he he is he's so good. Yeah. Um. And 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 this has been a, a fun little you know little rivalry between. It has been. Two. Yes, it has been. Um. And it was it was a real shame at the in the opener last season when when Allen was hurt because he was having a terrific you know great first half, um against Peters in in the opener in 2016, but um I think I'm I'm really curious. We're all kind of curious to see how Marcus Peters, who's a a volatile guy um, uh, who is, you know, the, you know, the reason, one of the reasons he was suspended because was because he, you know, after throwing a, you know, an official's flag into the stands, he walked off the field thinking he was disqualified and he wasn't uh, then returned without any socks on just his cleats. And so it was a little bit of a, you know, just a sort of an embarrassing moment for the chief. So they, they handed him the suspension and, and he's been prone to, you know, to, um, you know, semantics and, um, and, and so just some undisciplined moments, this season, but, but make no mistake. He's a, he's a guy that, that really takes pride in what he does and, and wants to win. And, uh, it, it is not, he, he, he has some character, um, you know, moments, uh, and, and some, just some caricature moments, if you will, you know, he's, he's, um, he, he, he's hard to, he's kind of hard to define, but, but he's, he, he's a terrific cover corner. And, I don't think I think he'll play off of uh, off of Keenan, and I think these guys will talk to each other throughout the game. And I know they've already uh, talked to each other on social media. They um, yes. they, they, it, they seem to have a nice little rivalry going, and um, just more look, more and more fireworks added to to the already big anticipated showdown Saturday, Blair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think that that really is the one to take a look at. But but to, I think the bottom line for Peters, I. You know, I think he's actually going to come back um, a little bit with, with a little bit more discipline and uh, less less mouth 
and 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 try to try to toe the line a little bit more uh, than he has in in some of these uh, losses that he was involved in. You know, the offense was so good early in the season. I know they've picked it up recently, but I think people forgot just how much the Chiefs miss Eric Berry. How would you assess the secondary's performance this season without him? Yeah, that. And, and and that actually um, that actually relates to Marcus Peters because if if, if Eric Berry had been around this season uh, on the field, I, I don't think we'd have seen any of the antics that we've seen from from Peters because uh, I think Eric Berry is one of the one of the most respected players, pro athletes that I've ever seen in terms of the way a a team responds to a player. You know, coming, you know, overcoming the, you know, the, the Hodgkin's lymphoma, and, uh, and and then returning to a level of play that was that was even greater than what he was before, you know, uh, attracting cancer. Just um, it just makes him a, a just this commanding presence in the locker room. And of course, he he, he ruptures his Achilles in the opening game t- toward the end of the Patriots game, a game in which he had uh, really shut down Rob Gronkowski done a great job on him and um and so he ruptures his achilles and he's he's done for the year and and he he's been in and out of the out of the locker room throughout the the rehab but he he had a he had a major presence in there last week and uh and and he was on the sideline cheering in a way that he hadn't all year and i I actually think his presence makes a difference you ought to get the players to you know when you hear the players talk about him there's there's a reverence for for eric barry so you know, I, I think he'll be present again this weekend, and and um, uh, and, and certainly uh, um, you know it, that that is a positive for the Chiefs. It's it's they can't have him on the field, but having him on the sideline has been uh, was it was a was a positive thing last weekend. A lot of big names on the Chiefs when you talk about Eric Berry and Kelsey and Alex Smith, Tyreek Hill. Who's a player though, Blair, that maybe under the radar this Saturday the Chargers fans should have eyes on? Well, let's see. Let's. Um, Let's go with uh, okay. Let's go with the second receiver. He um, Tyree kills. You know he's, he's taken over the number one receiver spot. He's he's such a you know such a blur on the field and uh, um, and, and not just as a as a receiver but also as a punt returner. Uh, when when he gets kicked to, that hasn't happened often this year. But Albert Wilson missed a handful of games during the the, the Chiefs um, losing streak, and it was it was noticeable. Um, he, he's not a, he's not a huge numbers guy. I mean, he'll only get you, I don't know, four or five catches a, a, a game and possession receiver. And, um, uh, he, he's a guy that's in the deep net often on third down. And, and, and I'll give you another name, uh, Chuck Kendrick West, the backup running back. He, he's, he's, he's the chief's third down back. He had a 13 yard touchdown run, which was a kind of a thing of beauty against the Raiders last week. And, uh, hard nosed, determined guy. And, uh, has a, has sort of a, a nose for a first down when when the Chiefs need it on on third down. A couple of interesting names, especially when you consider the fact the Chargers they haven't allowed a 100 yard receiver this year. I think they're the only NFL team to do that. And and you got some guys in Travis Kelsey and like you said a blurred Tyree Kill and Albert Wilson. Certainly, uh, guys to have eyes on on Saturday. Blair, we'll get you out here on this. What do you think is going to decide Saturday's game? You know, it's funny. We we did a podcast earlier today with with members of our staff, and I was the only one to pick the Chargers. I think there's a sense that um, you know that the Chiefs have uh, if they haven't fixed, they've they've gone a long way in repairing some of the things, uh, that that had been done with with that Raiders victory. And I, I think they have too. I I think they're back on track. But I just 
when I watch the, the Chargers play, I'm so impressed with them and the, you know Ingram and Ingram and Bosa, and it's um, they, they can they can really bother the, the, the Chiefs and uh, defensively, and uh, I, I think that's going to be an issue for, um, for 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 Kansas City at home. But I, 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 I absolutely buy the argument that Arrowhead in prime time is a, is, a, is a formidable and intimidating place. Andy Reid's got a pretty nice record in, in these games. Night games at Arrowhead. This is, you know, this is the first Saturday night game in the history of Arrowhead Stadium. I've read that. That's amazing to me. I didn't. I had no idea until someone mentioned that this week, and uh, and I was amazed by that as well. So first Saturday night game for the Chiefs since the AFL days, uh, and and that'll that'll be interesting. So the fans, they won't have to worry about uh, you know going to work and tailgating and uh, and getting pretty revved. But I, I do think it'll be as as good a crowd as we've seen at Arrowhead for a few years and the stakes are high, but I don't know. I, I think in terms of talent right now, the Chargers are a little bit better. Home field may even up, uh, even it up for this game. If you were a wine two months ago, Blair, it, it's, I think it's just wild that both teams are in this position right now in week 15 with really an opportunity to kind of put a stranglehold here on the AFC West. Uh, he's Blair Kirkhoff of the Kansas City Star. I can't thank you enough for your time. I really appreciate the insight. I know Chargers fans really appreciate it. Hey, great talking to you. Ricky Henney joins me on Chargers Weekly. And, Ricky, you wrote about it this week, man. Saturday, one of the biggest games this franchise has played in quite some time. Absolutely. You know, I think it's the biggest game they've played since the 2014 season, Week 17 at KC where they had a playoff uh, berth in the line and unfortunately couldn't pull it off. So it's only fitting, you know, to have this huge AFC West uh, tilt back down there at Arrowhead. Yeah, man, and these guys are playing their best ball of the season, obviously, winners of four straight. What are these guys saying about going up to Arrowhead on Saturday? They're excited. I mean, they're acknowledging how big this moment is. Uh, it's a little extra something in the air. But at the same time, you know, they've talked about how they've been in kind of like a must-win mode for two months. So it's not like it's, a different type of atmosphere in that sense. Um, but they're loose. Now, Phillips said not in the loose, the sense where you're not focused, but like they're not playing tight. You know, they've, they have a great attitude right now. And uh, honestly, I love what Phillips said, being honest. He's like, you know, we were 0-4 and they're 4-0. They went 5-0. and You're thinking, all right, let's just try to win some games and get back in the mix. He didn't think they'd have a chance to, you know, win, you know, to go ahead in the division, same record in week 15. You know what I mean? But that's why the NFL is so crazy. And here we are with a huge game. Ricky, a month ago, just seeing Philip on that stage in Thanksgiving and put up the performance he did, you almost see like he's almost like recharged in a way. He gets to play on another big stage with really the division could be on the line here. What is he saying about going up to Arrowhead? Because I know he's one that's not going to back down from a challenge, especially in a hostile environment. It's one of his favorite places to play. He calls it a little bit of a throwback type of atmosphere. He says Denver is very similar, the crowd, the way they are. Um, but, you know, I've been with Phil for six years now, and uh, he's as locked in as I could ever remember him being um, during my time with him. And like you said, the Cowboys game, going into that game the way he was, there was no doubt in my mind that he was going to be as on fire as he was. Uh, but, you know, he has to you – know, can he do it once again? That's the big question because he's had seven interceptions, on the year, he had three in that first game. Yeah, in that first Chiefs, half and of I that believe game, he's had right? three yeah. since. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So can he not rebound, but, like, obviously he has to do better. The Chargers got behind the eight ball so much, but like he mentioned, getting back to your question, um, 
they still had a chance to win that game. They were 16-10 with him playing as poorly as he has in all the time I've known him as well. So if they keep off to a good start, I think that is monumental going into this game, and that's what they've been able to do during this four-game winning streak. And a big reason for his success this year, Ricky, as you all know, is just his connection with Keenan Allen. Keenan has 83 catches, over 1,100 yards, five touchdowns already, and we haven't even hit week 15. And I'm sure going back to Arrowhead has a lot of meaning for Keenan on several levels. Yeah, it has to. I mean, the last time he was there, he was so excited to get back after he missed half the year before, and he had like six or seven catches. That he was first cooking half. Marcus Peters. Not, oh, he was. They could not stop him. And then non-contact knee injury out for the year. And, you know, I'm sure it's going to be an emotional time for him coming off this huge hot streak he's on to go back to, to that field. And um, I can't even imagine what, what will be going through his mind, but he's playing out of his mind right now. And, uh, I, and I just feel so good for the guy because he has worked so hard when you think how basically he played two quarters out of a 24-game span. It's crazy. I had Bucky Brooks on earlier, and he said that he deserves to be in the conversation for best receiver in the game. And he laid out some yeah. pretty, pretty doggone good arguments for it. I mean, the guy's playing on on a level that he, he's never played at in the NFL, uh, and we all knew he had it in him. So it's going to be a lot of fun to see him against that secondary, whether it's going to be Revis or Peters. We'll find out. But Kareem Hunt, yeah, another guy. And, but with, go ahead. With, with Keenan, before he just talked about add to what Bucky said. Some of these guys like, you know, Antonio Brown, who they have just top notch speed, but what makes Keenan so good is his he's so deceptive because everything he does is the same speed. Like you can't he doesn't give any tells in that of his breaks with ways he's going. You know, he was we had him mic'd up a couple games ago against the Browns and the guy he's going against is just like, I don't understand how you do this because everything you do, you give nothing away. And I think that is why, like Bucky said, he has that rare ability, which is why I think you definitely have to consider him as one of the best in the game, if he's not the best. Yeah, he's just so much fun to watch. He's been he's been yeah. a joy to watch the last four weeks. But Kareem Hunt, Ricky, last time the Chargers played the Chiefs, 172 yards. Um, he had 117 yards last week, 25 carries. He had a little rookie wall, though, he hit in between. Um, obviously, this is a totally different Chargers defense. When you talk about stopping the run, the last three games, they've allowed just under 78 yards per game. What are the Chargers saying about stopping this high-powered offense of the Chiefs? Well, obviously, they have to stop Kareem Hunt. But talking about the job he did earlier compared to what the Chargers have to do now, I just want to say two words to you. Denzel Perryman. Yep. He was not there at that first meeting. He talked about how good a job the Chargers have done turning around their run defense. It, I mean, it's not a coincidence that it coincided with Denzel returning to the lineup. Now, I don't want to put it all on one guy, but – the presence that he brings there, it's undeniable. So that's a huge addition for the Chargers this go-around. But when it comes to that defense, she's often, they love to run so many different things off of different plays that you have to stay in your You have to stay disciplined. Like Gus Bradley says, discipline does not mean lacking aggression. You can't just be on your heels. And that's what makes um, Andy routine so hard. It's, it's just the way he's able to beat you so many different ways on the same play. Uh, to me, that's going to be the number one thing these Chargers have to watch out for. And Ricky, we talk about this defense, and especially these young guys. Man, Trevor Williams has played fantastic in place of Jason Verrett. And then we talk about Desmond King. We talked about him, I think, at nauseum during preseason and training camp. But this guy had 10 tackles on Sunday. He sat Kirk Cousins. He's coming off a pick six a couple of weeks ago. He's playing lights-out defense, man. It seems like these guys really have each other's backs. They do. It's funny you say that because Desmond King went to the podium on Wednesday 
And he said, you know, we had a team meeting last week. We, have, we meet all the time. But the theme last week we all talked about was love. Like, we have love for one another. We have love for this organization. We all have each other's backs. And, they, and, they, and I think the people, all the fans in the crowd or those watching on TV could see just how genuine it is after an interception or a big play, they all run down and take that, you know, that photo posing together. And it, it really is sincere. And then you talk about how they impact one another. Well, you think back on Desmond Sack. Well, you have Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram lined up next to one another going against the right side of that Washington line. Well, which way do you think they're going to slide their protections, right? Yeah. They go up to Bosa and Ingram and here comes Desmond King off the side. So that just shows just how in sync this entire um, defense is. Ricky, from an injury standpoint, I know we got we got a short week. Uh, what's the what's the practice schedule been like for these guys, and, and where are we at on the injury front as we sit here on Wednesday? No, it's funny. The uh, Chargers actually had like a light walkthrough Tuesday night. You know, they had the lights out there, kind of throw back to high school days, uh, which is good because they're going to be playing under the lights at Arrowhead. And then Wednesday and Thursday, it's going to be more of a uh, you know Wednesday was more of a regular practice and. Injury report will come out on Thursday. We'll get a better sense of uh, what you guys are at this uh, point. But so far, knock on wood, everybody, uh, Chargers have been pretty healthy this year, all things considered. Although they have lost some big pieces like Forrest Lamb and Matt Slauson and Denzel missed half the year and Jason Brett. But everyone goes through it. But let's just uh, keep knocking on wood. Ricky, get you out of here on this, man. What do you think is going to decide Saturday's game? This team has been rolling. Uh, the Chiefs have been struggling. They're losers of six of eight, but uh, they're coming off a win against the Raiders. This is a game that I don't think many anticipated if uh, if you were to talk about this in week three uh, with the Chargers a chance to really get ahead here in the AFC West. Turnovers. This is all about turnovers to me. I mean, the Chargers haven't turned the ball over in four games outside of a Kellen Clemens interception late. Yeah, that doesn't count. The is taking the, yeah, exactly. Meanwhile, the defense is taking the ball away at an alarming rate. I mean, I think they have 11 picks in the last four games or so. Now, Alex Smith is somebody who does not throw many interceptions. Philip Rivers threw three against this team last time. I mean, to me, that is going to be – that is going to tell story right there. Take away and give away. Let's see what happens. Well, Ricky, hopefully we have a, we have a happy locker room on Saturday night, and uh, the Chargers are 8-6 and six coming out of Arrowhead. Uh, he's Ricky Henning, managing editor of Chargers.com. Ricky, safe travels, my man, and I will see you next week. Sounds good. And that's going to do it for this week's episode. My thanks to Bucky Brooks, Blair Kirkhoff, and Ricky Henney for joining me. And thanks to you all for listening. Be sure to download and subscribe to Chargers Weekly wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you could, please leave a review on iTunes. It helps us spread the word so we can get this to as many Chargers fans as possible, especially with just three games to play in the regular season. Enjoy the game Saturday as the Chargers look to move into sole position of first place in the AFC West. And until next time, I'm Chris Harey.